Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. From D2 to D3. With J.T. Mitchell. Best in sports reports. Listen here. Throughout the year. Back with From D2 to D3. I'm your host, JT Mitchell. As always, thank you for tuning in to your new home for Division 2 and 3 sports coverage across the Magnolia State. And it is Super Bowl weekend officially. The San Francisco 49ers are a one and a half point favorite. I think I'm going with them. I don't know about you. I want them to win. I don't know if they will win, but if I was a betting man, which I am, money's going on the 49ers. Uh, Before we really dive into this episode, of course, you know the drill. It's brought to you by Eve's Law Firm, the best attorneys in the business. Whatever might happen in life, you might need an attorney, and they're the ones to call. I promise you that, no doubt about it. Call them now at 601-355-7961 or go online to eveslaw.com. So on the Super Bowl note... There are six Division II slash three players, so six combined, in this year's Super Bowl. We'll get to that. But first, I saw a really interesting stat last night as I was scrolling through Twitter, uh, or X, and that is that 26%, a whopping 26% of Americans are expected to bet on this year's Super Bowl. That's a record and a half. Easily trumps what we saw last year, which according to the Gaming Association, that was a record. So new record set. The breakdown of those bets are 46% online, 36% casually with friends. Hey, Bob, I bet you $5 the 49ers win. 24% through a pool or squares. That's actually what we're doing here at uh, Super Talk. We do, you know, at least in the Jackson station, we do a stationwide squares. Pretty excited about mine. I got zero and zero. So if I can get four quarters, let's say the first is zero to zero. The second is 10 to 10. The third is 20 to 10. And the fourth is still 20 to 10. I'll be in good shape, man. That's a, that's an extra paycheck in itself. Uh, 15% through a physical sports book. You can, of course, go to any of the 26 casinos and place that bet. And then 14% through what they call a legal bookie. 
I'm personally only familiar with illegal bookies, but nonetheless, lots of Americans are betting on this year's Super Bowl. Of course, if you are betting, bet responsibly. Um, you know, I'm not a man. I, I imagine that that number does not include offshore bookies. And that's what a lot of Mississippians use. No doubt about it. Uh, it's no secret. We do not have mobile sports betting yet in the Magnolia State like other states, like our good friends up in Tennessee, um, which, as you know, I used to live in. And mobile sports betting was pretty easy to do there. Just download the app, place your bet, bam. We don't have that yet. And so a lot of Mississippians do use offshore bookies. And so I don't think this number from the Gaming Association takes in that. So I'd go out on a limb and say it's a lot higher than 26% of Americans are betting on this year's Super Bowl. And like I said, just bet responsibly. I, when I had access to mobile sports betting, which by the way, if you didn't know, we're one step closer to getting it here in Mississippi. The House passed a bill to do it last week. Senate has to approve. If it heads to the governor's desk, he'll sign it away, hopefully, and um, we'll join a long list of other states with access to FanDuel, DraftKings, etc. But when I did live in Tennessee, I personally faced lots of examples as to why you should bet responsibly. Learning examples. You know, I had high runs, low runs. I even paid for an entire trip to Los Angeles based on one game. Thankfully, that team won. On the other hand, it can get you, and it can get you fast. So be careful, but have fun. I mean, nothing makes a game a little more enjoyable with a little money on it. Uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, I did say that we have six D2 and D3 players that will be included in the big game. On the D2 side, Chiefs defensive tackle Tershawn Wharton of Missouri S&T. Chiefs tight end Jody Fortson out of Val State, GSC Proud. Chiefs defensive tackle Mike Pennell, Colorado State Pueblo. Chiefs cornerback Joshua Williams, Fayetteville State 49ers. Offensive lineman Sebastian Gutierrez out of Minot State. 49ers safety Eric Harris out of California State of Pennsylvania. And then the lone D3 representation is 49ers offensive lineman Ben Barch from St. John's up there in Minnesota. So as we move along through this episode, we are going to catch up with Delta State head baseball coach Rodney Batts right after the break. And baseball season snuck up. Division One starts a week from today, February 16th. Division two starts a little bit earlier. They actually had opening weekend last weekend. So we're going to reflect on that initial series for the Statesmen and see what the thoughts are as they head into series number two this weekend at Spring Hill and what they can do to get back to the NCAA tournament. They missed the last year, but then in 2022 and 2021, they did make the tournament. 2020, we all know what happened there with the canceled season. Uh, so what else is going on? We did have National Signing Day on Wednesday. And was it Wednesday? I believe it was Wednesday. And National Signing Day, as you probably learned through your respective Division One team, at least in the spring, it's really been lessened. 
it's been dissipated in terms of D1 because way back when they implemented the early signing day, that's in December, and that's really when all the kids sign, at least on D1. But for D2 and even D3 some places, the OG National Signing Day in February is huge. It means so much more now in D2 than it does in D1. I mean, it's just huge. If you compare the numbers of our D2 schools, what they got back in December versus the number of kids they landed this week, it's vast. There's a vast difference between more kids signing in February. And I have not, I'll be, I'll be completely candid with you. I've not had time to sift through every single signee, their hometown, their high school, their previous school, their position, their stats, working on that. So for the time being, what we'll do is I'll just give you the numbers and then hopefully next week I'll have had time to go through all these kids and kind of pick out which ones I think have the potential to make a huge difference or an immediate difference. But for Delta State, massive class. And this is what happens when you consistently make the playoffs. They had 33 signees. That's huge. Mississippi College, on the other hand, um, not a bad class. They had 23 signees, so 10 less in Delta State. But you have to remember that they hired a new coach in December. He did not get on campus until right at the end of December, as we heard from Mike Kershaw a couple of weeks ago, and he has been trying to put his coaching staff together, and he has, and they've really hit the ground running. I mean, imagine getting in and they say, hey, you got a month to start calling kids, texting kids, reaching out, home at-home visits, bring them in for official visits to school, and convince them to sign with your school by the first week in February. That's a tough challenge for any new coaching staff, but they really stepped up to it. 23 signees, you know, Ole Miss. If you're an Ole Miss fan, if you keep up with Ole Miss Twitter, I know it's not D2 or D3, but Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator, has really made a name for himself on Twitter in terms of how he uses the platform. Um, he doesn't post many words. Instead, it's only emojis, and it typically consists of just one emoji, and that's a shark emoji in reference to the land shark. Every time Pete Golding posts a shark, that's him saying, we just landed a big commit. Mike Kershaw, I've noticed, has started posting the brick emoji. You know, brick by brick, he that's their motto now. He's building the program brick by brick, and every time he posts a brick emoji, that means... They've gotten a big commitment, and there's been a lot of breaks that I've seen. And so 23 breaks in the initial class for Mike Kershaw, and that's pretty good. As for Bellhaven and Millsaps, D3 is a little more under wraps. They have a little more wiggle room, I'd say. Signing day isn't as vital. There are kids that want to sign on signing day. Um, when I was coming out of school, I played D3, and I did sign on signing day. Went the whole nine yards like everybody else, joined everybody else from my my high school at the time and signed on signing day. But you don't have to do that technically. You can really, if you want, you can be off the grid and sign without any of the TV cameras, any of the radio talk like you're listening to now, and you'll just enroll in the fall. D3, ha that happens a lot. So I don't have an official number from Bellhaven and Millsaps, 
but I ha- have been tracking their coaches' social media presence. And it, it looks like they have a lot of kids that have been putting on social media that they've committed to Millsaps or Bellhaven. And so we'll see. Hopefully I'll learn more there. But I do think Bellhaven got a good class, uh, according to C.J. Nightingale's, uh, some of his posts. You, you know, before we really get out of the football world, I know that's what a lot of our listenership likes to hear us talk about. Mike Kershaw did host a press conference earlier this week. And he was talking about how he has rounded out his staff. When he was on with us a couple of weeks ago, he had made some initial hires, had not completely filled up the staff, but he has now. And let's check in there in Clinton. Another good thing here is we are now fully staffed. Uh, So I want to uh, just kind of announce who our staff members are. Our assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, O-line coach is Joel Williams. He comes with us uh, from Fairhope High School. Uh, been around the GSC for a long time, uh, been at some major college football, been at professional football, and also been in high school football for many years. Uh, so we're excited about him. Our defensive coordinator slash linebacker coach, Will Peruta. You'll hear from him a little bit later, but he started out at Clemson, uh, been at Jacksonville State, Troy, Coastal Carolina, and Liberty. So he's been around a lot of really good defensive coordinators. So we're excited to see what he's got to do. Um, I've already kind of listened to some of his installs, and I'm, I really think he's going to lead this defense to a, a great deal where we're at. Uh, special teams coach who just got here, I guess, probably about three days ago. Uh, So special teams and secondary coach Justin Flood. He's coming from Syracuse, uh, and then he was actually six years at Iowa before that time. So, again, around some really good special teams teams and coaches, uh, but also he's coming in with a lot of energy and is going to really lead our special teams and our secondary to that next level. Recruiting coordinator slash running back coach, uh, Miguel Black is an MC alum, was the, the lone holdover from last year's staff. Really excited for him. Uh, he's really kind of taken a lead of this recruiting. Uh, when I first got the job and I wasn't out here yet, we ended up signing six mid-year guys, and he was kind of the lead force for that. So if it wasn't for him, I don't know if we would have been able to get that done. So we're um, really glad he's on our staff. He's going to re- really lead our running backs and our recruiting. Uh, so we're glad that he is here as well. And then last but not least, our defensive line coach, Jordan McDaniel, another guy that came from Troy and was also at Liberty uh, with Coach Peruta. So these guys know how to win. Uh, so we brought in winners here to kind of lead this organization. So we're really excited about that. So that was a little snippet from Mike Kershaw's first press conference as the new head coach at Mississippi College. The whole thing can be found on YouTube, and I really hope they continue doing that. Delta State does weekly press conferences with all of their coaches who are in season at the time. I think it's great. I think it's great for D2 and D3 schools to take that extra step, give fans, reporters, the extra access to your teams. Um, It it can only result in more coverage or more people coming to the games, more people in the know. But that was Mike Kershaw. We had a really good interview with him. I really recommend you listen to that interview if you haven't, especially if you're a Mississippi College fan. A couple of notes from the press conference. It sounds like a motivated staff. That's what you want. When Joel Williams came on the stage after Kershaw, he really said something that sparked my interest and that is that his goal is for there there to only be eight seconds max between the end of the play and the next snap. 
that epitomizes this new offense that Kershaw referenced when he was on this show. No more triple option. They are slinging the ball, and it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fast, up-tempo. I cannot wait to watch it. Kershaw also mentioned new uniforms, at least for road games. He and the athletic department are currently working to get new uniforms for home. I love it. New era, new look. Let's go. And uh, number three, I also think Kershaw is doing a great job of trying to get the alumni back involved. It's something that he mentioned to me off the air that he really wants to do, and that's to rejuvenate the relationship between Mississippi College alumni and the current program. So what they've done in turn is they've created the Choctaw for Life program, and the goal of that initiative is to do just that, get alumni back involved, have events, have a social media presence, have them at games. And I promise you, in the day and age of college athletics, getting alumni involved is not a bad idea for any school. I don't care if it's D1, D2, D3. Let's face it, NIL is here, and it's here to stay. It might get tweaked, but it is seeping down from D1 into D2 and into D3. Plenty of examples. We've talked about those examples in the past, and alumni is where that money comes from. The people who really care, the people that have money, successful alumni, getting them involved is a good idea. So props to him on those. We're going to take a quick timeout. Then we're going to catch up with Delta State head baseball coach Rodney Batts. And by the way, what a legendary baseball name, Rodney Batts. He'll be with us right after this from D2 to D3. I'm JT Mitchell. Do you ever struggle with me or I or maybe further and farther? That's okay. We all do because the English language isn't easy, but we have the perfect solution for you. Pocket Grammar, 24 Mistakes You'll Never Make Again is your new sidekick to making sure that those mistakes don't happen. From memorable pro tips to fun visuals, Pocket Grammar is for everyone. Whether you're a student, a professional writer, or just want to make sure that those Facebook posts you're putting out there every day are grammatically correct, Pocket Grammar is for you. Go to www.thepocketgrammar.com today. That's the Pocket grammar.com to get yours now. Back with From D2 to D3, I'm your host, JT Mitchell. And like we said earlier in the show, you might not have realized it, but baseball season's here. It's back, man. And it's in full force, undoubtedly, in Cleveland. And we now welcome Rodney Batts, head Delta State DSU baseball coach to the program. Thanks, coach, for taking the time to join us today. Well, thank you, JT. Thank you for having me, and uh, certainly a pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and I know you guys are coming off weekend number one, um, drop two of three, but now you got a chance to bounce back this weekend against Spring Hill College. Are y'all on the way to Mobile yet, or do y'all leave later today, or where no, y'all? No, we'll leave. We'll leave this afternoon. We'll leave at two o'clock. But yeah, it's uh, just like you said, baseball season kind of snuck up on us, and it always it does every year. It seems like, but uh, yeah, you know, it's a big weekend for us going to Spring Hill, and they're going to be good. We've never played them before. Um, they are in our region, and so it's a big weekend. Need to go down there and need to play well, particularly coming off the. The opening weekend, losing two out of three to a really good Harding team. We knew they were going to be good. Um, we just didn't, you know, that opening weekend, the opening weekends are just that. And uh, you never know how it's going to work, uh, how you go play, particularly with the weather we've had. You know, 
two weeks leading up to it. We had three inches of ice one week, and then we had six inches of rain the next week. So really getting on the field when we played was really about the first time we'd been on it. But, you know, we just didn't pitch well. Um, two of the three games, two of our starters just didn't give us a chance out of the gate. I thought our guys played hard. I thought we swung the bats well in spots. And, you know, of those two games we lost, you, you take away two or three innings, um, two innings in the first game, one inning in the second game is totally different ball game. But you know that's baseball, and uh, hope you get better. Hope you learn from from every game, every weekend. So I do think we learned something from last weekend, and hopefully we go down and play better this weekend. Yeah, and it's just the beginning, man. I mean, it's non-conference weekend number one. Get some of the kinks out, and uh, you know, baseball you get a chance every single week. Uh, and this weekend it is at Spring Hill. Uh, what are the goals for this weekend? Well, uh, same as every weekend, go down there and win three. Yeah. Uh, we, we need three. Uh, but we just need to go in there and play well. We need to go in there and play well and play the way we're capable of playing. And I didn't think we did that, you know, in some spots last weekend. But just, just see improvement. And, uh, you know, I think our guys, you know, they, they realized last weekend that, you know, just go show up and win. And uh, you got to be ready to play and no matter – where you play, you play at home or you play on the road. So, you know, guys, we had a good week of practice, had a good week of preparation. So, uh, yeah, the plan is to go down there and win three, but bigger than that is go down there and play well and uh, play the way we're capable of. You mentioned your pitching staff. Talk to me a little bit about those guys from your rotation to the bullpen. I know there were some rough patches in weekend one, but how are you feeling overall about this group of guys you got on the mound? Well, I feel good about them. We uh, we were without two of what I say is two of our better arms last weekend with some arm problems. They'll be back this weekend, and we'll use them out of the bullpen. And you know, both of those guys could be starters for us, and that's kind of the role we had them in before they had an injury. So, you know, so that was that kind of hurt us a little bit last week. But um, you know, our pitching staff, I think it can be deep. I think we got some guys who can pitch. Um, we got some returning guys, and uh, you know, particularly in our bullpen. And I'm a big believer in bullpens. I think if your bullpen's good, you got a chance. And and hopefully your starters will get you deep into the game and you can turn it over to them. But, you know, like a guy we threw uh, first game last weekend, our number one, he'll throw again this weekend. Drake Fontenot had a really good year for us last year. Had a really good fall in preseason, and he just looked like deer in headlights last weekend for whatever reason. So I don't expect that to happen. I expect him to. Um, he's a little bit, you know, disappointed in himself, so I expect him to go out and pitch a whole lot better. And, and you know, we're still trying to figure out roles for guys, and you can go through the fall, or you can go through scrimmage games and put them in situations, but still it's a whole lot different when you roll out there in the spring and now it's really on the line. And uh, mm-hmm. we're still trying to identify some of those things, who fits best in what role, and, you know, matchup guys, right on right, left on left, or long relief guys, um, who's our back end guy. So, you know, the unfortunate thing about Division Two baseball is we don't, we're a little bit different in Division One. We don't have really a whole lot of time to figure things out. And every game is, it counts the same, whether it's a non conference game, whether it's a conference game. You know, when we get to postseason, it's all about how many in region games you play. And our, our whole schedule is in region games. And, uh, so they all count equal. So we don't really have time to, you know, 
figure some things out. we got to figure out on the fly, but uh, every game is just as important as the next. And on top of that, the season starts a couple weeks earlier in Division Two. Um, yeah, I wish we could do something about that. I wish we, you know, we come back from Christmas and we've got three weeks to practice. And, you know, the weather has a lot to do with how much you're outside or has everything to do with it. And, you know, to me, it's just, you know, it's always been that way, but just not enough time to get you guys, you know, really ready. But, but you got to be ready. Right. Everybody's in the same boat. But I wish we could. I wish we could do something and push that season back, you know, a little bit further like Division One is. And um, the problem with us is you push it back, then you go you go further after school, and you know it just becomes more money. So mm-hmm. I don't think that'll ever happen. Although I wish it would. Well, man, I mean, we see some similar critiques in football as well in the playoffs. Once you get there, I mean, I hadn't even thought about the timing of it. Three weeks once you get back from Christmas break. And then at least here in the state and in Cleveland, we had some pretty crazy elements that hit us in those three weeks. And I know that kind of puts y'all temporarily behind the eight ball, but hopefully it's only up from here. And we are catching up with Rodney Batts, head baseball coach at Delta State. Coach Batts, when I did tune in over the weekend, of course I did see um, the performances on the mound, but there were some glimpses at the plate that really assured me. I thought you had some guys that hit well, from Brent Burrell to Braden Jones, Blake Dindy. There were times when I really saw what those guys were capable of. How are you feeling about the your lineup right now, the offensive guys? Well, I feel good offensively. I do think you know we've got some balance in there. I think we've got several guys to go to. I think we can, you know, shuffle our lineup around and depend on right-hander, left-handed pitcher. You know, I think we can. Be more heavy right-handed, more heavy left-handed. Um, we're still trying to figure out, you know, what our best lineup is, and you know, it's important to give guys opportunities and let them get in there and show what they can do in a game situation. But you know, I do feel good about our offense um, and those guys you mentioned. They did, you know, without those guys last weekend, it would have really been been tough for us. But those three guys in particular really had, you know, good weekends for us. They swung the bat well all three games. And there were other guys, too. You know, our leadoff guy, Wes Warnock, he might have had a whole lot to show for it. But he got a couple hits, had a couple big hits, RBIs, but I thought he barreled the ball up and, uh, you know, had some good at-bats. And that's what it's about to me is just getting there and compete, you know, compete in the box and have competitive at-bats. And it don't necessarily always translate into a hit, but you have a quality at bat, and we talked about that yesterday offensively. And you know we've got goals offensively as far as run scored, quality at bats, all that. But if we can, you know, if we can just get in there and compete in the box and have a quality at bat, at bat after at bat, then you know then results going to be fine. Whether you get a hit or not, you got to give the pitcher a hard time. Uh, you got to right. get him out of the groove. So, coach, before we let you go, I want to talk about you for a minute. You were hired in 2019 to come back to your alma mater, and within nine months of getting the job, it just seems like the world kind of went crazy. The pandemic, it uh, canceled the end of the 2020 season, but then you guys came out on the other side and came out strong. NCAA tournament appearances in both 21 and 22. What has this experience been like for you, meant to you, to come back home to Delta State, go through all this, come out stronger, and move onward? Well, you know, obviously this is a special place to me and a special place to my family. My wife went to school here. She played basketball here, was assistant basketball coach for seven years. So, obviously this is home to us, and, uh, you know, it means everything to me. And, you know, those first couple of years, you know, being back and who could have ever 
anything like that could have happened with COVID and all. And, um, you know, our first year being back, season getting cut short. But, you know, after that, I mean, it was still the second year, you know, we had a shortened schedule. And, uh, but I thought, you know, I thought those next two years, uh, 21 and 22, I thought those were really good years for us and played really well. And, you know, was regular season champion there in 22. And, you know, finished, uh, we finished second in the conference tournament in 21. So we didn't necessarily win the conference like we wanted to, but I thought those years were good. But, you know, anybody who, I think I feel very fortunate. Um, and some people get to do this, but a lot of people don't. And that is get to come back and coach at your alma mater where you played. And that's certainly special. And that's something, you know, I think this is about my 25th year, you know, total in the program. I did leave for five and came back, but that was my, that was my goal when we left. I hope we get the opportunity to come back, but it is a special place. Delta State's a special place to me. And like I said, my family, and both my kids were, were born here in Cleveland. So, you know, we're right where we want to be. Well, goal reached, and I know the entire university and the entire Cleveland community is glad to have you back. Thanks, Coach, for taking a few minutes out of your day today, and good luck. Well, JT, I appreciate you having me. That was Delta State head baseball coach Rodney Batts. And a little quick shot here. So, according to D3Football.com, quote, Coming off a well-run and well-received Amos Alonzo Stag Bowl, the city of Salem has, as expected, officially bid to host the Stag Bowl in both 26 and 27. They also have put in bids for national championships in men's soccer, women's soccer, women's lacrosse, women's basketball, men's volleyball, women's volleyball, and softball. I like it. Salem, they have a well-oiled machine running when the Stag Bowl is up there. I, along with most people across Division Three football, believe the Stag Bowl should be in Salem until somebody else can prove that they deserve to have a shot at it. Um, so we'll, we'll keep tracking that. One situation that we have been talking about a good bit on this show, a good bit across the entire Super Talk programming, actually, is this entire Mississippi University for Women name change sort of tired of rehashing everything that's happened. I went on a pretty big tangent a couple of weeks ago with an update on how the entire situation went up in flames after the gung-ho announcement from the school that they were turning into Mississippi Brightwell University. And I informed you guys that President Nora Miller, to her credit, had decided to walk back the Brightwell idea and had put out another survey to the students, faculty, alumni with more name options um, because a lot of people did not like Brightwell. And I respected the heck out of that decision um, to hear people, listen to them, and act on it. I'd love to see that more in university administrations as well as other sectors of just the world. I mean, if more people did that, that'd be great. Unfortunately, when the survey came out, according to WCBI, the new names given to the voters were not far off from Brightwell. The three options were Winbridge, Winbright, and Wellbright. 
If you ask me if those were going to be the options you gave people, might as well just keep it at Brightwell and move forward without batting an eye at all of the critiques. But they did give the survey back out, and those were the options, Winbridge, Winbright, and Wellbright. It sounds like they just took the word people didn't like and mixed it all around and tried to find options that sounded kind of like Brightwell. As you guys know, I am a huge proponent for Welty University, an ode to the late, great Eudora Welty, who her work has a special place in my heart. I know it has a special place uh, in the hearts of a lot of Mississippians and especially a lot of graduates of the W. But, you know, I was informed on Twitter at JT Mitchell Radio by somebody that apparently the Welty family had not signed off on the idea of it being named after her. I've not seen any hardcore evidence of that being the case. I... 100% sure they have a building on campus called Welty Hall. But if that is the case, I very much so agree that the university should respect their wishes. But if it's not the case, I would really like them to consider. I know they don't want compass points. I know they don't want surnames, but I think Welty might be an exception. Uh, But if that is the case... Like I said, respect their wishes, sure. But Winbridge, Winbright, and Wellbright, what do you think about those names for the rebranding of the Mississippi University for Women? Me personally, whatever. Um, I just want to see a new name. They've been co-educational for over 40 years now. And as somebody who works in sports media, it's hard to watch the automatic disadvantages the men's athletic teams have when it comes to recruiting. And uh, if you really want to hear me go on more about it, go a couple of episodes back and you can hear it all. Um, But I do have a timeline, a timeline since then. So they sent out the survey. The survey ended. The task force was set to review that survey data and prepare its analysis between February 1 and February 8. Today is February 9th. And so that means the task force is supposed to provide an analysis to the president. And then between today and the 13th, the task force makes recommendations to the president. And then the president announces the new name. Who knows? They might say, well, Winbridge, Winbright, and Wellbright weren't the ones. So they might come up with something else. I'm not terribly sure, but they do have a tight deadline. February 14th is their deadline, Valentine's Day, to get a bill drafted to change their name. And the legislature, both chambers have to pass it. The governor has to sign it for rebranding to begin ASAP. July 1 would be the date. And, you know, I did think at one point that the IHL, Institutions of Higher Learning, had to accept the name before it could go to the legislature But Commissioner Al Rankins came on one of the other programs earlier this week, and he said that wasn't the case. So that takes out at least one stop. Now they just got to figure out the name, get it back to the legislature, and lawmakers have to agree on it, and the governor has to sign it. And lawmakers up there at the Capitol are saying they're going to sign off on it as long as the universal MUW community agrees on it. Um, That's not a terribly fun topic. I think it will have an unlimited amount of 
fruition for the W once they get this name change done and behind them. And at the end of the day, whatever the name is, it'll stick eventually. Just give it some time. Um, what else do we have here? So I saw this post and it's from D3 Direct. They're a great follow. And it said, what is your D3 fan dream? Hypothetical questions. If blank wins a national title, watch blank in the final four. As a proud alumni of the University of the South, first and foremost, I would love to see Sewanee back in uh, winning a national title in football. Let's take it back to 1899, baby. But as a proud talk show radio host here in Mississippi, my second tier would be to see Millsaps or Bellhaven win a national title in football. I think that would be great for not only the state, but it would be great for the Jackson metro area. In terms of the Final Four, I'd say I agree on the same. And um, I'd love to see any of our teams win a national championship. I really don't care the sport. I'd love to see Natties all around for Delta State, MC, the W, Millsaps, Bellhaven, it makes my job easier when you win national championships. So I'd love to see that. That's a hypothetical question that you can chew on over the weekend. What team would you like to see a national championship and in what sport in terms of D2 and D3? With that, it's about time for me to get on with my day. As always, if you missed any previous episodes, Find us on Spotify, Apple, Podcast, supertalk.fm. We're under the Sports Talk Mississippi label from D2 to D3. And with that, I'll catch you next week. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.